Good morning, church. How are we doing? For those of you who are new here today, I am Jake Mudgerzo. I'm the pastoral intern here at The Transit. And uh, if you're new here, uh, you got the intern today, so it's going to be a fun time. Um, I'm excited because there are a couple of things going on. First, uh, we get to go through the Word of God together as a family, and we celebrate that and we rejoice. And also, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, there we go. All right, I just want to get kind of the uh, feel for the room in our church. Who here wants the Chiefs to win? Okay. <laughs> we'll be praying for you. You got like two, two. Uh, how about the Eagles? Man, you know, I, I'm excited for your excitement, um, but just get ready. The Commanders will be there one year. Uh, and we will rejoice because uh, that's a miracle. Um, today we're going to do a little standalone topic. Uh, at the start of the new year, Pastor Nick took us through a series on hearing the voice of God. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I think, man, what was it, Nick? Six sermons in a row that he fired out. So uh, your pastor needs a little bit of rest. So that's where I come in this morning. And uh, we're going to do today, uh, I know we've mentioned in the past that we're starting Ephesians um, yes, we're excited, but uh, hold on, it's going to be next week. Uh, so I'm excited to go through it, but today we're going to talk about community, the heart behind community and the way God intends it for us, okay? So we're getting a little, uh, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm eager to preach this one. Um, the title, If You Care for Your Notes, is The Heart Behind Community. So anyone here ever owned a bird? Anyone? Okay, all right, all right. I was like, nobody? Okay, a couple people. So which one of you actually liked that bird? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I had a bird. I love that bird. It was awesome. I don't know necessarily why I wanted a bird, uh, but when I was 13, I got a bird. I was homeschooled, so I was just very excited to have another friend. Um, so we hit it off right away. Uh, it was a blast. I named him Petrie uh, from The Land Before Time. Some of you were with me with that one. Yeah. What else would you name a bird? Uh, so he was the sweetest bird ever. He would sit on my shoulder and just hang out. He would kind of walk up my chest and kind of like kiss my face. I didn't even know birds did that. It was, it was amazing. And uh, he would do that while I was pretending to do my school. Sorry, Mom. Uh, and he was so sweet. So for his good behavior, I wanted to reward him. He, he deserved something nice. So I walked to Petco because, you know, I had the time. And I go to the bird aisle, and I pick out a nice shiny mirror. I'm like, oh, this, he's going to love it. I go home, put it in his cage. He immediately runs over, or whatever you call that with a bird, and just slams his face right in the mirror, and he just starts talking to himself. I was pretty happy. So he was happy. I'm happy. That's great. Uh, fast forward a couple days. I go to a friend's house who apparently was a bird whisperer, and I, I tell him the great news of, man, I got this bird. He's as sweet as can be. I named him Petrie. I think that's a pretty cool name. Um, you got to meet him. He's like, okay, great. You know, that's awesome. Something like that. Whatever 13-year-olds said to each other about them getting birds. Uh, but he said this, whatever you do, don't bite a mirror. <laughs> and internally, I have a little bit of panic. And I'm playing it cool, though, as a 13-year-old boy does. And I go, okay, all right. well, that's good to know. Uh, thank you for telling me. Um, just curious, why? <laughs> and he says, they become so obsessed with themselves, so consumed with themselves, that they don't have any need for you anymore. And they become evil and mean. 
I don't know if that's your story with you having a bird, but I saw a drastic difference in him from the point of him not having a mirror and then getting a mirror. He was the meanest bird from that point forward, and uh, we did not do our homework together from that point forward. Um, and, And I share that because I think oftentimes we can wrestle with being a petri and not intentionally being self-consumed or self-focused, but we can easily, with the the chaos of life in Northern Virginia in this area, it's so fast-paced, our our schedules are crazy, then you have family dynamics and sports and and everything. We get so consumed by it that naturally our eyes drift off of the Father, and uh, we get a little content and comfortable with our cage and mirror. So the text for today, if you have your Bibles or your phones, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And as you're turning there, um, a little context for the text. This is right after Pentecost. The Spirit of the living God falls upon early believers in Jerusalem. Uh, Peter preaches apparently uh, an amazing sermon because 3,000 people give their lives to the Lord, uh, which is incredible. Uh, so that, that is what just took place. And now the text that we're going to look at today is their life after that their life in community and fellowship after God moved. So we're looking at how they live their lives joyfully on mission in that community. Um, And if you're taking notes, uh, bear with me. You'll see where I'm going with this a little bit. We're doing a little heart check, you know, the heart of community. So our points for today are all centered around the acronym, bear with me, EKG. So... I want to make sure you don't forget it, and and hopefully by the end of this, you will not forget it. EKG, first point, E, everything starts with God. Everything starts with God. Two, K, keeping our eyes on him, keeping our eyes on him, and three, growing the kingdom of God together, and I will unpack those as we go along this morning, but let's read the text if you're there. The Fellowship of the Believers, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, we, um, we come before you this morning thankful for who you are, what you've done, your love towards us. We come posturing our hearts this morning as children looking up to our Father in heaven. We thank you for who you are. I just ask, Holy Spirit, that um, you would clear our eyes to see you better. You would realign our vision, any areas of our life that we have taken our gaze and uh, joy and love for you uh, away from you, Lord. Anywhere we have strayed or wandered unintentionally, would you realign us this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit? So we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come, and and Lord, you increase and I decrease. May you move through me uh, for the sake of your people this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So everything starts with God, moving in love and grace towards us first. That is the E in EKG. You're probably going to hear EKG 20 more times, but get, get ready. Uh, <clears throat> before this sermon is even built, 
we have to be clear on the foundation that we have when we're talking about the community of God. And that foundation is on his love towards us first. That is the foundation that we have. The only reason the believers here in the text are devoting themselves to God is because he first moved and poured out his spirit in love. That's why they do that. And, and right now this morning, that's why we gather together, because God first moved out of love towards us, even in our rebellion. That is our foundation that everything must be built off of. And that's why we can love each other today, because our loving Heavenly Father first loved us. Look at First uh, John 4, 7 through 11. Dear friends, let us love one another, because love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born again because of what God has done. That person knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. How did God show his love for us? He sent his one and only son into the world. He sent him so we could receive life through him. What is love? It is not that we loved God. It is that he loved us and sent his son to give his life to pay for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we should also love one another. You see the foundation of everything that is built. It start, first starts with God and his love towards us, and then the house is built. And at verses 7 and 11, John says, Dear friends, he addresses, he's addressing his community, his friends, his fellow sisters and brothers in Christ. That's who he's talking about. And he's telling them, he's crystal clear on the foundation of everything. Our motivation to gather together, our motivation to love each other is rooted in God's love towards us first. He is clear that it is that sacrificial love towards us that should drive us in a community and unity in action for the Lord and his mission, not ours. And quick disclaimer, we can quickly just mess things up. Anything, we have something good, we put our fingerprints on it, we can just mess it up. We can go out right after this sermon and be fired up. I pray you are. But we can go out immediately and say, you know what, here's our victory fellowship plan. We're going to go out every night this week, break bread together. We're going to study the Word of God for four hours. We're going to pray for three. Don't miss any of those nights. We're going to go and do that because we're told to do it. And while those things can be so good, if it's coming from the wrong foundation, it will lead to legalism. If it's rooted in love and awe of God, that is our foundation that drives us out. Those things that are rooted on the wrong foundation will not stand and not last. But if we are built in, on the love of God towards us and that is driving us out, that is lasting. That is lasting. And, and I mean, I'll, I'll go this route real quick. I feel like I need to say this because I've struggled with this for the majority of my life. I think we need to separate legalism and discipline. Because we can be so quick, and I've been so quick the majority of my life, of any kind of discipline, any kind of plan is, well, that's legalistic, I'm not going to do that. Yes, if it's on the wrong foundation. If the foundation is out of love for God, that we're in awe of him and who he is and who, he, uh, who his character is towards us, the love of the Father is overwhelming. And if that's our foundation to drive us out to discipline, Praise God, that's a good discipline. The Apostle Paul tells us to train our bodies like an athlete trains his body. Discipline is a good thing when it's behind the right motivations. So that getting up at 6 in the morning, if you want to spend more time with the Lord, I encourage that. So many times I'm like, all right, I'm going to, during the week, 6 a.m., wife knows it, hitting snooze. But that's my goal. 
6 a.m., get up, have time with the Lord. And, and it can easily bleed into legalism if our vision comes off of Jesus and his love. If that is not our motivation, then yes, it, it goes into legalism. But discipline is a good thing. Discipline is a good thing. <clears throat> and and I'll, I'll say this as well. Practically speaking, uh, if anyone's here uh, and you don't have, uh, you know, love towards others, you don't have love towards the lost, you maybe don't have love towards anyone in this room, um, hopefully that's not the case, but maybe, the best thing I can do is point you to the Father. The best thing I can do is tell you, bring that to the Father. He knows it. Bring it to Him. Ask Him to fill you with love, fill you with his compassion for people. May your prayer, and I think it needs to be our daily prayer, because every day we're wrestling with the flesh and our own selfish desires, our own desires to be focused on the mirror in our little cage. We need to be praying daily for the Lord to fill us with his love for people, and our eyes would be on him, not ourselves. But got to move on. Uh, point number two, what is it? What's the acronym? EKG? EKG. K, keeping our eyes on him. Look at verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. They devoted themselves. The people here in the text devoted themselves. They were so in love with God and in awe of him that they didn't neglect the meeting together, that they were so committed to study his word, to pray together, to break bread together, and it didn't just end there. It didn't just end there. I won't get ahead of myself. We'll, we'll get to that point for the last one. But... Uh, I, I want to stress this. Keeping our eyes on Jesus is a group project. You can't do it in isolation. You can't be discipled in isolation. We need each other. So it, I just want to say, if there's anyone here this morning that you feel like, and I've felt it in my life as well, if you feel like you bring nothing to the table, you aren't part of the body, that's not biblical. So I would just encourage you in love to Believe the truth that you are precious in the sight of God and you are valuable to the body of believers. We all need each other. We all need each other. You can think of it this way. Uh, hopefully you heard this when you were learning to drive. Maybe not. Um, keep your eyes on the road, right? Many reasons to do that. Many good reasons. But one thing is your, where your eyes are, your car will go. So if you're driving, well, two hands on the wheel, not one hand, right? We're learning to drive, right? Kids, two hands on the wheel. So I'm driving. If I look to the right, my car slowly starts drifting to the right. I got to correct it. If I'm looking left, got to go a little left, I lose sight of the road ahead and my car goes where my eyes are. So it is a group project for us to help each other steer and point each other back to Christ. We need... Each other, we need men, we need a brother in Christ, women, we need a sister in Christ that is walking alongside us, that actually knows us and knows when maybe we're drifting a little bit and they can just lovingly come to you and ask you, How are you doing? We need each other. And, and with discipline and, and the body of believers encouraging each other to fight the good fight, to race, um, race ahead towards Christ, we need each other uh, for the hard seasons, but also the good times. If you look at Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, 
but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need each other. We need brothers and sisters in Christ whose eyes are focused on the day to come, whose eyes are fixed on Jesus and and, uh, pointing us back to the Lord. And and we think of, all right, church, community group, Bible study, uh, prayer and worship night, all, all these things. We're just coffee with somebody. It's not for us. We are helping each other keep our eyes fixed on the Lord. That's, there, there's so much fruit of gathering together. A big part of that is we are helping each other stay on track towards Christ. That is our target. And this next part might come across a little harsh, but I, I wouldn't share this if I didn't first sit under it and feel a little convicted. Our target to aim at is Jesus and Jesus alone. Our target to aim at is Jesus, not ourselves. We live in a day and age where YouTube, social media, TikTok, I don't know where TikTok falls. I'm kind of feeling like an old man. But somewhere in that, that category, there are so many influencers, uh, motivational speakers trying to help you find your best self, trying to help you find your inner genius. All they're doing is pointing you to you. And I'll speak for myself. There's no hope there. There is no hope there. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. He is the only thing that is lasting and eternal. Everyone else is pointing you to the world, to yourself, that, hey, we are all decaying. Everything in this world withers away, but the word of our God stands forever. So we are rooted in the word of God. We are rooted in his love, in unity and community. I mean, it's in the name YouTube. (laughs) It wasn't in my notes, but that was a good one. Thank you, Lord. Um, Charles Spurgeon says this, It is ever the Holy Spirit's work to turn our eyes away from self to Jesus. But Satan's work is just the opposite of this, for he is constantly trying to make us regard ourselves instead of Christ. So I think we can find ourselves anxious at times or or super worried, and it's, well, where have our eyes been? Have we been looking at ourselves of just trying to muscle through it and make it through because we have our strength If we're not relying on the strength of our Lord and Savior and our eyes are fixed on him daily, man, we're going to drift. We're going to drift. So we need community and brothers and sisters in Christ who have correct vision. And it's a simple thing, uh, practically speaking. I want to try to give you something practically for this week or just in your discipleship groups. It's a simple thing that we can ask each other. I ask myself this every day, but with your next coffee date or small group of, hey, where have your eyes been this week? Is there anything going on in your life? Because I know life is hard. Life is very difficult. We all have so many things going on, just with work alone, inside the home, and then outside with other family dynamics. There's plenty of stuff going on that can cloud our vision and draw our gaze off of our loving Father. So it's a simple question we can ask. Hey, where's where's your vision right now? Where's your heart? What have you been walking through? What are you consumed by? Because when the problem comes up, we can easily just hyper-focus on that and we lose sight of Jesus. And the need is, is I'm going to go there, uh, accountability for men. It's going to get a little uncomfortable. But men, we have got to be vulnerable with each other. We've got to be open with each other. 
there is a point in time when we are called to man up and push through. But if you're in that mode 24-7, yeah, good luck. I tell you what, it's not going to channel my inner Dr. Phil. How's that working for you? <laughs> we need accountability. A couple of years ago, I had a little incident in the gym, uh, home gym. Some of you probably know this story. Uh, I work out with a, a buddy of mine when I was on the police department. We met in the police academy, been close brothers. He's a dear brother of mine. And uh, he's in much better shape than I am, so it's a good friend to have in the gym. But he texted me one day saying, hey, I can't make it to the gym. I was like, no problem, no big deal, I got this. Um, and it's not going to be a heavy day either, so no worries. Uh, and, and it's important to know that I was just coming out of a season of months of training for something I really wanted on the police department. So uh, arguably, I was in the best shape of my life, and I was a little bit of prideful. Say, so I'm, I'm good. I don't need help. I got this today. Well, uh, my last set of squats, I go down for the second rep. Don't worry about the weight. It was real heavy, I'm sure. Uh, it, it wasn't that heavy. I can't lie up here. I can't. <laughs> I can't. I really wanted to lie to you and say it was 400 pounds. It's not even close. Um, I go down for the second rep and the weight's way heavier than I thought, and I realize I don't got this. Long story short, this hand flips back because I don't drop the weight fast enough, and my wrist snaps like a pretzel stick. Yeah, you know, I thought about maybe sharing the picture, but I won't. Uh, <laughs> that's a good way to get fired. So um, <laughs> the best part of the story, though, was the way I tell my brother in, in Christ, my workout partner, how this happened, I sent a photo to him of me in the ER with my wrist bent and smiling real big. And uh, I thought it was a good idea. And he called me and in love rebuked me and said some stuff. Uh, and the main gist of what he said was basically, what the heck are you trying to do alone? And my posture going into the gym was, hey, I got this. I don't need help. I don't need anyone to spot me. I'm in the best season of my life. And that turns out I wasn't. Um, and, and, you know, you don't want to get to the point. That, that's why I'm pushing accountability, because you don't want to get to the point where you realize the weight is too heavy and your legs are too small. It's not a good feeling, okay? That was a joke about my small legs, but I guess that's it. <laughs> I actually thought that would get a laugh. All right, no. All right oh, we're moving on. All right. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, and I share that because it's awfully dangerous to walk this life alone. We're not intended to walk alone. The church God has built, that Jesus died for, is for all of us to walk in unity, in, in mission to him. It's not just for to have a good time. It, it very much is that. It's joyful. But there's so much more. The picture is so much bigger than just ourselves and what we get out of it. And this posture of, I got this, I don't need community, I don't need accountability. What I'm going through, my walk is between the Lord and I and no one else. I would just lovingly urge you, that's such a dangerous place to be. That's such a dangerous place to be. We need each other. We need each other. You are needed. You are needed in this. And, you know, I think we can think, Accountability and fellowship and all this, you know, close brotherhood, sisterhood, it's only for the hard times. It's only for those rough seasons. But I would argue, yes, it's very much for that, but it's equally as important when times are good. Because when times are good, we get, our guard comes down a little bit. 
we drift and we're okay with where we're at. It's those desperation moments that we cry out to the Lord, and that can be very fruitful if you've had those experiences of the Lord answering your cry, which biblically he does. But it's very much for those good times. So if you're here and say, oh, well, you know what? The good news is I'm doing really well, so this doesn't really apply to me. It does. Uh, The brother and sister in Christ alongside you, we need them 24-7. And that's the way God designed his church. And this week, I was getting coffee with a dear brother in Christ of mine. We both have no military experience, so naturally, we were talking about military tactics. Um, And he said something that I was like, hold on, say that again? That's going in Sunday. Uh, Think of the tactic of the enemy. On the battlefield, I think the best thing they can do is cut off communication between your fellow soldiers and command. If they can just isolate you, you're toast. So this posture of thinking, hey, I got this. I'm good alone. I don't need any of you here this week. Peace. You better believe the enemy is working together as a team. So don't buy the lie that you're, you're strong enough alone. Yes, we have Christ, but Christ has died for our church, for the body of believers, for us to unite and come together in fellowship and joy and accountability. So I, I would just say a quick call to maybe an accountability partner or a mentor. I encourage both. Uh, maybe it's just me who really needs that, but it's very fruitful. Uh, if you have someone in mind, I wouldn't recommend rushing up to him right now. Um, I would first ask you, go to the Father. Ask the Father first to bless it. Ask the Father first to, to confirm it, maybe, before just rushing over and asking. First go to the Father and ask for confirmation. And we got to move on to our last point. Growing the kingdom of God together. What's the purpose of this community that we are gathered together in? We just think so often that this church, our community groups, whatever it is, is just beneficial to ourselves. It's a personal growth thing, which by the grace of God, thank you, Lord, it is. It's so beneficial for us, but it's not just that. It's far greater. It's far greater than that. It's about him and what he cares about, what he loves. And if we love him, he'll point us to his sheep. Look at uh, John 21, 15 through 17. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. When our eyes are on Jesus, he will point us to what he cares about and who he loves. He loves us, but he also loves his sheep. All of us here are dearly loved by Jesus. And if we love him, we will gather together in fellowship out of the love of God and and, uh, joy that we have in in Christ. We will care for one another, bear each other's burdens. We will encourage each other as a service to God. That is the foundation. That is the root of it, that God is glorified in it. And man, it's beneficial to us. God's design of his church is beautiful and perfect. And if God loves this church... We love it. So any posture of 
feeling anger or anything towards the church, I, I'd ask you, uh, bring it to the Father because he loves his church. And, and uh, like I said earlier, everything we touch, we can mess up, but there's grace and forgiveness uh, that we've received that we need to extend to others as well. And in this passage of Acts, we see the people gathering together. And what does the picture look like? The picture looks like they're having a blast. They're breaking bread. They're praying together. There's gladness in their heart. There's joy. They're on mission. People are coming to know the Lord. It's beautiful. And and a quick commercial break. This is what we do at Transit Church. This is what we do in our community. Every week we are gathering together. There are so many things that we do as a body of believers, whether it's community groups, ladies, Bible study next Saturday, right? Yeah. Uh, Men, we meet every Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. here at the church for an hour. We go through the Word of God, and I tell you, yes, it is very difficult every single Wednesday for me to wake up for that, but every single time I go, I leave so filled up and encouraged because I've been filled with more love for God, more love for his word, and I have fellowship with other brothers and sisters. Sorry, it's a men's Bible study. Brothers in Christ. It's so encouraging. So if you're here and you're not in a community group, I'm just going to ask you, join this week. What's holding you back? We have, I can't tell you how many, I probably should be able to tell you because it's online, but I can't tell you right now how many community groups we have at this church. There are a bunch Five, thank you. Six, all right, sorry, I couldn't see the other, thank you, you're trying to help me. Six community groups in this church. And and we can have the posture that I have had for the majority of my life of, man, this better be a good community group. I better get something out of this Bible study. Thank God we, we do get stuff out of it. But if we're coming from that foundation of selfishness, our eyes are still on that mirror, we're coming at it with the wrong approach and wrong posture. We're coming at it as an opportunity to walk with Jesus and serve him in love and care for who he cares for and advance his mission, not our own. And we need that fellowship. So real quick, I know we're missing a few folks. Can the community group leaders and hosts just raise your hand? Can you raise your hand? You got a couple. You look around. All right, thank you. You've seen them. Go up to them, talk to them. If you feel uncomfortable, go online. You can find them and look on the map. If you see a community group that's meeting a mile from your house, you might need to think of a better excuse other than traffic. Um, That's not going to work. We have so many here. Uh, So end of that uh, commercial break. We're moving on to verses 46 and 47. Day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received the food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Day by day those were being saved and added to their group. Our community groups, as we join together to fellowship, yes, we have an awesome time every time. But it's not a holy huddle where it ends there. Our mission is still to further the kingdom of God and share the gospel. Share the precious news that we have and we've been given, we've been blessed with. The love that we have in Jesus, it's meant to share. I know there's, I think there's one community group where a refugee family is meeting with their community group. They don't go to church here, but their doors are open. So I think that posture also, I just love that of community groups. Let's pray about, hey, Lord, not rushing into it, but start praying about it. Who, who can we invite that maybe doesn't go to church, but they can come over for a dinner? And we can talk and share the love of God with them. They can see what joy and unity looks like. I think it's a great opportunity to do that.
And, and every four Sunday, we do prayer walks. We just get out. Uh, it's coming up in two weeks. Yep, my math's right. We're going out and just praying for people and sharing the good news of the gospel because we're told to. And, and we do it not out of obligation or legalism. It comes from a joyful heart of what we were like before Jesus came into our hearts. What our hearts were like before God gave us a heart of flesh, our hearts of stone before Christ came and his love came and changed our lives. That brings us forth out on mission together. So our eyes are on the Father, and when we're so devoted to him, his leading will be to his sheep, his church, and the lost. Uh, band, you can come on up. I'm going to start to wrap up here. It's Super Bowl Sunday. It's going to be a little shorter. I want to bless you and get you on your way for your uh, party. Uh, you know, that's, uh, hey, I'm here to love you and serve you because I love Jesus. So um, <clears throat> it's a quote by John Stott. The Christian community is a community of the cross, for it has been brought into being by the cross. And the focus of its worship is the lamb once slain, now glorified. So the community of the cross is a community of celebration, a Eucharistic community ceaselessly offering to God through Christ the sacrifice of our praise and thanksgiving. The Christian life is an unending festival, and the festival we keep now that our Passover lamb has been sacrificed for us. It is a joyful celebration of his sacrifice together with a spiritual feasting upon it. The joy that we have to gather together for what Jesus has done uh, the very fact that we are even here is all because of the cross. The very fact that we are here is all because of Jesus. That is our foundation, and that is what we rejoice over, that our eyes don't have to be fixed on ourselves. Our eyes can be fixed on eternity where our treasure remains and is everlasting and unchanging, unlike anything in this world. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. So we're going to flow into... Uh, communion. If you don't have communion elements, they're right out uh, in the lobby there. This is just a time for us to respond. An opportunity for us to not be petri. Take our eyes off ourselves. Jesus said, take this in remembrance of me. And that's what we're doing this morning is we're bowing our hearts and heads to our loving Father who sent his very son to die for us on a cross so that we can have unity and community and eternal love that is unending and unceasing. And we celebrate that. We celebrate that this morning. We celebrate his body broken for us and his blood poured out, the very precious blood that cleanses us and washes us white as snow. And uh, you can just take communion on your own time uh, during worship. Uh, I want you to take it as you feel led uh, during the last two songs. And uh, I'll close us here in prayer, and then I'll close us with a benediction. Father, we thank you for your love. Who are we apart from you, Lord? Who are we apart from you? But we know we were once lost, and now we are found. All because of you, Jesus. So we praise your name. We lift you high. Father, we surrender our hearts to you. May our eyes be fixed on you. And may, may we not stray from you, Lord. Oh, how weak our flesh is, Lord. But our strength comes from you, and there's hope. There's hope. We thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you're doing. May you get all the praise and glory this morning.